0: Welcome back to Pure Evil MMA. I'm your host, as always, Evil Eddie, and it was a crazy weekend. I mean, there was so much that went on between Lion Fight, that was right here in Connecticut at Foxwoods. But the main focus point this week, obviously, UFC 238, which before the fight even went down was perfect, had all the ingredients to be the best card of the entire year. You know, a UFC pay per view card. This day and age, it's so hard to get everyone's attention, get these pay-per-view buys in because we don't really have superstars right now. In 2019, we're proving that. There's been so many great fights, so many great cards, so many guys that are building their name, and there's a lot that went down this week to digest from UFC 238 between Henry Cejudo and Marlon, Cowboy Sonny vs. Tody Ferguson, Valentina Shevchenko, Jessica mmm, mama mia, that was crazy. So we got special guests joining us here today, the cast, the crew of pure evil mma we got mike lynch and also simon who runs ufc underscore news underscore official on instagram with almost 30,000 uh followers so make sure you follow him also follow the barbecue pit on twitter and instagram obviously follow pure evil mma on instagram at pure evil mma underscore that's P U R E E V I L mma underscore for all the third graders out there that don't know how to spell also on twitter at evil underdax echo that's e-b-i-l underscore e-c-c-o facebook at pure evil mma s yes. all right let's jump right into it but first subscribe down below give us a thumbs up sorry i had to do that all right guys this was a crazy card it was matched up perfectly in my eyes even outside of the main card, we had a whole bunch of fights. Tatiana Suarez going in there. She's trying to get her shot of the title sooner or later and she is on one hell of a roll. Beating Nina Ansaroff, man. And Nina Ansaroff was on such a roll lately and I didn't really know who Nina was before you know, finding out that she was Amanda Nunes' girlfriend which is really what she's known for. But her last couple of fights have been amazing. Uh, we're gonna talk about all the fights on this card that really stood out, relive the best moments. Let's start, guys. Let's start with the main event, Henry Cejudo. Going into that fight, everyone loves to kind of rag on Henry Cejudo. And, you know, he's the king of cringe in everyone's eyes. However, however, he's on one hell of a roll himself with his last loss being to Joseph Benavides, which I would like to see next. But before that, what did you guys think was going to happen in this fight? Who are you guys going for? Uh, Simon, let's start with you, buddy.
1: Hi, uh, man. By the way, thanks for rounding up my Instagram followers, by the way, so 25k, but you said nearly 30k, so I appreciate that. <laughs> um, personally, going into this fight, I was a little bit, I don't know, I was initially skeptical just because uh, if anyone out there doesn't know, I'm a little bit of a skeptic when it comes to the whole double champ thing. It's kind of like you know, it's a one, it's, It went from a one-trick pony to now everyone needs to have fucking two belts. Um, I was a little bit skeptical, but when I, when I thought about it a little bit more, I was like, okay, so kind of deserves it. He stanches the fucking champ in round one, uh, even though he hasn't really defended his belt at 125. All right, we can give him this guy a little bit. It's like deserved it more than Connor did. than the the, the double champ title. So, uh, yeah, we've got to give it that at least. Um, Against Monomarais, though, he's no fucking joke going into this fight. I mean, the guy's 22-6, and and he's an absolute monster in the cage. A lot of people did count him out. Even myself counted him out going into this fight. I didn't think that uh, Monomarais would pick up a win, but... You know, if you look at the stats into the fight when in the earlier rounds, he shows that he should have been in there with Henry Surreal. A lot of people did count him out, but if you look at the stats and you watch the first couple of rounds, he definitely proved that he should be in there against Henry Surreal and fighting for the title at Bantamweight. But, of course, Henry Surreal, despite him being the king of cringe, despite him being uh, not the most markable guy, not the most notable guy in the world, he goes out there and. He fucking finishes him by a TKO, which a lot of people weren't predicting. I was predicting a submission win, him being a wrestler and all. And um, he got an absolute fucking win. 11 seconds before the end of the third round, he starts him and now becomes a double champ. Now, I think it was a great fight. However, my issue comes in in the post-fight interview with Henry Suto now because... I just reported it on my Instagram about two minutes before we went live, he now thinks he's the face of the UFC, as well as that, he calls out people like Uriah Faber, Cody Garbrand, Dominic Cruz, and then he wants them to able to fucking featherweight. I mean, come on, guys. Let's be fucking
0: real here. Well, you know what I mean? Here's the thing, even for Valentina Shevchenko, she is such a great fighter. However, she is not that marketable. The UFC is not getting behind her. Henry Segudo, he tries to do as much as he can. And I like that he's running with the whole cringe thing because I get a kick out of it. I, I'd, I'd rather have somebody be doing that and getting bad attention over somebody like uh, uh, like, Kobe, like Kobe Covington. I mean, it, it, both, it works, but it, it's kind of sad. He's just being silly, and uh, he's a great fighter. And people just love ragging on him. I, I, I do understand what you're saying here. I don't think that he'd be able to uh, take out some of those names. I want to see it run back with Joseph Benavides. That's the last guy that he lost to, and that—that's what's got to go down next. But for being the face of the UFC, it's—it's it's even more cringy. Like, I'm not surprised he said that. It, it was probably him trying to be more cringy. You know what I mean? It just fit.
1: I know, but at the same time, he's—he's he's cutting himself in the same club as Colby Covington. And at the end, we had—I had a conversation on with a, a guy on. Um, on a previous podcast uh, a while ago, and we were talking about um, you know the the definitions of what entertainment is and when that line is crossed, in which it starts to diminish the integrity of the idea of being a fighter, a martial artist, and the sport itself. And the UFC is trying to move away from the idea of um, you know being an almost joke company. You know, with UFC 1, they were talking about putting fucking crocodiles around the ring, around the cage, sorry. Mo- and making, yeah. you know, yeah, making bullshit... Um, Match matchups with people, heavyweights, flyweights, this kind of thing. And they've gone for a more uh, professional approach. You know, the Reebok deal, you know, fighters don't no, no longer look like NASCAR drivers, they've, they've got professional gear on. Whether, you know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's a debate for another day. But they're going for a more professional, a professional approach with the press conferences, the stare downs, etc., etc. But when you got the fucking champ coming out in a magician costume, costume talking all this shit, <laughs> you know what I mean? Is that diminishing from what he's doing in the in the, in the octagon? Because in the octagon, he's an Olympic, he's got an Olympic gold medalist. He's now a two-time division champ. But all people can talk about is that he's now the king of cringe. Not that he's an Olympic champion and a, and a two-division champ. He shouldn't need to do all that shit because. His, uh, his awards, his achievements, and his in-cage in, his in cage, uh, style and achievements speak for themselves. He shouldn't have to do any of the talking. He should just be, I'm a straight fucking killer. I'm going to come in there, and I'm going to choke your head off. I'm going to wear you down. I beat Demetrius Johnson. I'll be one of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time. And I beat TJ Jiddishaw. Now, if that does not speak for itself, what more can you do? So, in my mind, I guess hemisphere is getting all this short-term attention. But long-term, is he going to diminish? The mystique of who he is as a fighter because when he eventually loses, and I'm not saying that he will lose, but the likelihood when people get older and they go up against more difficult matchups that they do lose, it's just going to make him look like more of a joke, and people are just going to lose on him, and people are just going to rag on him more for that. So it's a case of is it diminishing himself and his brand long term by doing all this king of cringe shit, or you know, is it going to help him in the short term get the finances, get the money fights, and then. You know, all these others st- is the belt and the Olympic gold medal falling back on that because no one's going to talk about that when you're doing all this shit to get their attention. So that's where I kind of stand on it. I'm in a little bit two minds. I can understand why he's doing it. but on the other hand, I'm like, dude, you're an Olympic gold medalist. You're a two division champ. You should do all the t- That should just do all the talking that you need to do.
0: I 100 percent agree, Mike. What do you, what do you think about this? And what were you thinking before the fight went down?
2: Uh, before the fight, you know, I picked. Uh the Marais because I felt like he was going to come in, he was going to uh, establish dominant leg kicks to try to keep away from the takedown. Uh, and then I thought he was going to, just like Valentino Serchenko, set up a head kick later in the second round is actually what I predicted. Yeah, uh, He did, did a very good job of that in the first round and then second round comes out and we see in a completely different Henry Cejudo. And he took over and, and showed that he is the Phantom Way World Champion. He completely changed his fighting style and got TKO.
0: Now, would, would, do you agree with what Simon's saying there? Because I like that. I remember when Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson was facing Henry Cejudo in the first fight, and the whole build-up to who Henry Cejudo was was marketing, you know, his background, his ethnicity, him being Olympic uh, medal winner. So, I, I thought that was enough, and I liked him. I liked that he wasn't going into the cringe thing. Even on that season Ultimate Fighter that he coached, he wasn't doing stuff like this. He was being himself. He was being... Uh, Kind of you know an idol if you're a young kid with that same background or, or shorter guy I mean these guys are tiny man fighting at 125 pounds 135 pounds Those aren't big guys and there's a lot of kids out there you see you know going to high school They call it uh, tiny man syndrome where a lot of these guys are a lot of yappers And I'm not taking the whole group of people that are under 5'5 or whatever for the male role but I just liked where he was, how confident he was, what he was able to accomplish. I thought that was enough to promote him. And now him doing the whole King thing, yeah, we're talking about it. I kind of think it's silly. It fits the new role that he's playing. But I, I'd much rather have him be himself. But then the question comes up, well, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, he was that kind of a person and nobody cared. So, you know, w- w- what do you I think, think about this?
1: DJ... Um. Did it in a in a more professional manner, you know. He uh, first and foremost he was a martial artist, and uh, at the second of that, he was a joker and a, a bit of more of a personality. And you saw that in you know in his Twitch streaming and all this other stuff that he was doing outside of the cage. But all of it was all done in good taste. Now, pulling out a fucking snake out of a hat and pulling a rabbit out of a hat and when a fucking magician, magician's
0: coat <laughs> to
1: the stare down, which is supposed to be a serious thing where you're staring off against an opponent that you're about to step into a cage with and essentially go to war. You know what I mean? You compare that to when, you know, Khabib or Tony Ferguson go into a stare off. Yeah, they're a bit cringy themselves, but you know that's the fucking business. You know what I mean? That- that's just their own little personality spin on it. He goes like it's fucking dress up day at school. You know, he takes it to a whole other level and it just borderlines on markability and straight up just sad. You know what I mean? Really? It's like yeah. you're trying too hard. It was like, do you remember when Kevin Lee was in the press conference against Michael Chiesa? And yeah. he turns up dressed like Conor and starts talking all shit about his mom. Now, Kevin Lee's not like that anymore. If you listen to his most recent podcast episode with Joe Rogan, he's a completely different guy. More stoic, more relaxed, more playful, but like fun. He's not that kind of cringy, kind of just trying, he's trying to too
0: be... hard. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's trying too hard. That's what Henry Ciro has been right now. And you're going to be with Mar who was fair game. He was trying to talk a bit of trash, but you could tell that that was forced as well. And in this kind of post Conor era of UFC where people are kind of getting sick of that, you know, is that really the way to go about it? Or do we need champs who, you know... Their trash talk means something, and the way that they act means something mm. as, as a role model to all the younger kids who are watching now. You know, I'm supposed to, because it's an or a plus, but you know, whatever. Um, and then Henry comes out and goes, "Yeah, I want to start to all these guys that are off coming off of losses or old, and then I want to go up to featherweight and be a free division champion." Well, now you'd like, okay, you're either talking a lot of shit, or you're just true. You're you're essentially going to betray the exact things. That made you who you are in the first place by saying fuck you to all the divisions, saying fuck you to everyone else in the rankings, and that is just going to be the end of the flyweight and the bantamweight division if he starts just trying to fucking belt collect, you know what I mean? Let me tell you,
0: let me say this though, I mean, the, the big talk with Henry Cejudo staying around is that he was supposed to save that weight division. Mike, let me ask you. Do, do you think he is doing a good job? Do you think they're going to bring that weight division back, or they're just going to let Henry Sudo ride when he loses? They're going to get rid of it. What do you think about that whole situation? Is Henry, you know, standing his ground for that weight division like he promised, or does it just—is it just like one big joke to everybody? I think it depends. I think I, you know, it, it is looked at as a
2: joke to most people. But uh, you can go back to that—how Henry's changing into the talker, and how you know the stoic and the not really trash talking doesn't really work for champions and yada yada and it normally doesn't and it kind of i mean i'm not saying robert whitaker's the biggest star in the usc but you got robert whitaker who doesn't really talk a lot of trash to anybody he says his witty things here and there once somebody says something to him but he doesn't really talk a lot of trash and he's like one of the biggest stars in his country just yeah. because of he's got the middleweight championship so it could work it just i guess just depends on what kind of
0: approach you have taken to it. I mean, Mexico needs a big star. They really do. Yeah. I-, I liked what they were doing originally. So, uh, moving forward, guys, let's uh, let's switch up gears here right now for all of our listeners and viewers. Tony Ferguson versus Cowboy Cerrone. Let's skip over Valentina really quick. This is what everybody wanted. This is what people wanted for the main event for UFC 238. Unfortunately, we understand why they didn't because it's not a title fight. I did not want this to be an interim fight. Obviously, they couldn't do that. But... You know, this was a fight I wanted five rounds. However, I predicted that this might have gone uh, maybe three, four rounds. It didn't need to be five rounds, and we even saw it ended in the second via TKO from Tony Ferguson. So, what, what did you guys think going into this fight? Uh, who, who are you picking, Mike? I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you, Simon. You next.
1: Yeah,
2: I was uh, I picked Ferguson going into it, and uh, it was it was a little quicker than I thought, but I had third round TKO. I felt like uh, he started a lot slower than he normally does, but uh, he eventually started to pick it up, started landing that jab, and well, he gets a lot of shit and he gets booed out of the, the uh, arena because
0: people think that the last, the late shot broke Cerrone's nose, but Cerrone's nose broke probably like half of that second round. I'm glad so that I mean, you brought that up too.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the, the punch definitely couldn't have helped his nose at all because it landed square and Soroni barely had his hands up, but it def- that's not the punch that broke his nose. So there's no yeah, it happens sometimes. You just get caught in the heat of things and he
0: stopped a second too late, you know? Simon, do they do a rematch for this? What did you think about that late shot and uh the way it ended? And first before you answer that, who did you have going in this fight quick?
1: I had uh, Ferguson in round 2, but I predicted by submission. Okay. Uh not TKO, so I was kind I was kind of uh, but uh you know, uh if anyone who watched the fucking um the uh, companion that we did, I was doing terrible throughout the entire prelims. So I only got one fight right, and then I only got one fight wrong on the main card. So clearly, I'm such a casual fan. Um Anyways, <laughs> um, going into the, going into this fight, I was so looking forward to this fight. Like these two guys are one of my are two of my favorite fighters, and uh, they've they've all got something to prove. You know, they're, they're kind of in that cusp. Of being right in that uh, title condition. Like, they're both there anyway, yeah. but just to push you name of it all the way, it's like without a shadow of a doubt, these guys need to fight for a title. Um, and I was looking forward to it because they're both, like, one of the things that I like is true martial artists. You know, they can talk a bit of smack and they can have a bit of fun, but when it gets into the cage, they're all business. And that's what you got with Donald Sorondi versus Tony Ferguson. Um, I personally, with the whole one shot at the end of the fight, you know, that was just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And I did a podcast before this one and I had a bit of a back and forth with one of the people on there. And then we spoke about how it was almost like he was arguing that uh, because he landed that strike, they need to run it back, which is essentially taking away a title shot from Tony Ferguson, which I completely disagree with. I mean, Tony Ferguson was essentially starching um, Donald Serrano throughout that entire fight. If you look at the stats, right, every single fight, every single strike that Tony Ferguson landed on donald saroni was a significant strike 104 out of 200 wow was significant right and same with, same with donald saroni though every single strike that he landed was a significant strike it was fucking insane right but okay he landed the strike after the bell all right we get it it's in the heat of the moment Shit happens but he goes back to the corner and he blows his nose which to anyone Ooh. out there if you've got yeah. a broken nose don't do that that is rule 101 donald saroni he's 36 and 12 in the um, in MMA, he should know that by now, you know what I mean we're all sitting here on a fucking podcast and we know that, you know what I mean I yeah. get it is in the heat moment, but shit happens, but um, I know I, I, I don't think they need to run this back because if they run this back it's just going to hold the division even more Khabib versus Poirier is going to happen and then whoever wins that fight we're going to need to have a contender after that and if we do this, who's left to contend no one really who deserves it, and I think Tony Ferguson, let me just list off a couple names for you, right? Pettis, Dos Anjos, Kevin Lee, Donald Cerrone, those are the last four people that Tony Ferguson has beaten in a row. Former champions and huge names in the UFC. Why does this man not deserve the title shot? Why should he have to fight Donald Cerrone again and prove prove us even more right and have another episode? Uh, have another fight against him just because of a small mistake that happened after the bell. That should not diminish and take away from his from his further achievements in his career and uh, in his last couple of fights. And he should just get the fight that we all want, and that's either Khabib versus Tony or Poirier versus Tony. And if not that, maybe a consolation money fight against Connor if the UFC doesn't want to do Tony Khabib. Whatever. I don't know what the fuck's going on with Connor. I don't really give a fuck. But um, huh. maybe a Gaethje fight. We'll see if he even wants to fight again. But oh, yeah, yeah. Um, whoever wins out of Poirier and Khabib needs to get Tony Ferguson Because Tony Ferguson deserves it more than anyone I can think of right now to fight for a title in the UFC. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just it's just one of those things where... And Donald Cerrone is kind of in the same situation as Robbie Lawler is against Ben Askren. She happens and uh just live to fight another day and uh just keep moving forward so, so let
0: me throw this out there for anyone that is, is new to the mma scene. maybe just started watching this year in 2019 tony ferguson versus habib obviously we all want to see it but they've matched this fight up four times and it, everyone says it's the fight that has been cursed so i do want to see it it has to happen there's no way if they match it up again If the, if they seriously match it up again and something happens please don't ever book this fight because it's one of those things that Habib gets injured, or, or, or something happens to Habib, or, or Tony trips, or it's just always something. So, it's the fight that may never happen. I'd say give it one more shot. Give it one more shot. Book that fight. I, I agree with you. I, I do want to see him run it back, but at the same time, I also want to see him move forward. There's other fights I would like to see Cowboy in. I mean, you bring up Justin Gaethje. I mean, I'm so excited to see what's up with, with him next. Even RDA. Down, cowboy Cerrone lost RDA. Wonder if he wants to get that fight back. Um, the, 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 these two guys, man. Neither of that mean, cowboy Cerrone do you mean, did not lose. Do
1: you mean, or RDA down?
0: Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. You're right. You're right. RDA left 155. Forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me on that one. But you know, at the end of the at, at the end of the day, I do want to see a matchup Habib again. Uh, it, it does matter who wins, whether it's Habib or Dustin the Diamond. I mean, this is the best division in the entire UFC. 155 pounds is the best, so, I don't know. I, I was just looking forward to that fight, and it definitely delivered. It just sour when you know, because Tony can't feel good about this. Come on, he he cannot feel good about winning the fight when people are going to bust his balls about being like, oh, the late shot, the late shot. So uh, I can only imagine how that must feel for him when he did get the win.
1: In the, sorry, uh, in the post-fight interview um, in the cage, uh, R- Rogan went over to Tony and was like, dude, just talk to Cerrone, man, because he just did, didn't want to give the limelight. They went over, he hooked him and consoled him, and he was so apologetic in the uh, the post-fight interview afterwards in the press conference. He was so apologetic, and he, he, you could tell he felt shit. But at the end of the day, that one strike should not diminish the fact that he was oh starting the last two rounds. Like, even though it was quite even the first couple of minutes, Tony was clearly the one on top. And if you even look at the damage, the physical damage between the two, Tony had a couple of scars on his chin, and then Donald Cerrone was... I mean, Tony Ferguson had a couple of marks on his chin, but Donald Cerrone was absolutely fucking battered and bruised. He was he was battered limb from limb. So, at the end of the day, again, that shouldn't diminish from the fact of all the damage that he did beforehand. And that one punch is not the straw that brought the camel's back. It was just a kind of a technicality, almost, that was in the heat of the moment, so... I mean, goddammit, they need to book that Khabib
0: Tony fight. It was the biggest cock tease in all of MMA history, apart from Patterson
1: Silva versus
0: GSP, maybe. I agree, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it, it definitely was. We get cock every time. Alright, let's move forward here. Let's switch up gears. Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Evil-Eye. I, I don't even have to ask you guys who you had going into this. Valentina Shevchenko I believe was everybody's pick going into this. I, I believe the odds were highly in Valentina's favor if she wasn't the uh, number one leader as you know the overhand when it came to Vegas odds I don't know who else was on this card but Valentino Shevchenko doing the damn thing once again Jessica Evely coming out of Ohio man and you want to root for everyone that comes out of Ohio whether it's you know MGK whether it's Stipe I mean they just love their people over there but Jessica Evely, I did not see had having a chance winning this fight I might get backlash for it but I'm sure 90% of the people listening or you know followed the fight would agree with me here so uh Valentina Shevchenko gets the finish via TKO, round two, 26 seconds. Mike, what did you think about this fight, man, and Valentina Shevchenko?
2: Yeah, I was impressed by uh, by the knockout. I seen I seen her doing the whole leg kick, body kick, and she uh, hurt her with one of the body kicks, which is why I guess could try to block the, the body when she got kicked Set in the head. So, uh, you can see it happening. It's kind of exciting, and... Uh, I had Valentina by uh, decision, so I didn't expect... I, I know Jessica is pretty tough, so I didn't expect her to be able to finish her. Uh, but that kick, man, i put anybody to
0: sleep, I think. It, it was definitely an iconic kick. Definitely, would you guys agree, top two finishes of her entire career so far? Easily. Easily. Oh, yeah. Jessica Evil Eye looked like she was dead. I don't like making fun of fighters afterwards. That was a moment... I, like my, It was like an Alistair Overeem getting knocked out by Francis Ngannou. I was... Concerned for Jessica Evil Eye. What, what did you guys think there, uh, Simon? What were your thoughts in that fight?
1: I was, I was insane. I um, I would draw parallels to Rousey versus Home in the, the, the oh kind of, yeah, you yep. know, in the manner and just. The shot that she took, man, it was—it's like fucking getting shot in the head, or over the head with a baseball bat. That oh, was, man. She went so limp, and she was on the ground for so long. I mean, it was so noticeable that even in the post-fight press conference, uh, someone asked Shanko "Were you concerned for Jessica Rai when she didn't get up for about two, three minutes after getting kicked in the head?" And um, it was in such an insane kick, and um, it was—it was a decent fight going um, in there. I think it just kind of suffered from that spot it's after Tony Ferguson and Donald Cerrone fighting in the I don't think the crowd was into it as much, and I, I don't know about you guys, but do you think the crowd makes the fight as well a lot of the time? Like, if, the, if you can hear the crowd audibly screaming and shouting and cheering, do, do you think that makes the fight a little bit better?
0: A hundred percent, and that's why I've asked a lot of fighters if this is uh, a, a good re- a good enough reason or one of the many reasons why there shouldn't be judges ringside because it can alter how you actually feel about who's winning the fight.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so at the end of the day, um, I think we just kind of suffered from that, uh, being in that spot between the main event and Ferguson Cerrone. But at the end of the day, it was still an insane kick and everyone popped huge for Shevchenko winning. And uh, it was a great display by Shevchenko as well. Um, now, the only thing going forward is now, who does she fight next in the flyweight division? I mean, I, at the end of the day, a lot of people we were talking about uh, a couple of other contenders in the division. Um, I know, Eddie, you mentioned someone, didn't you?
0: Oh, Tatiana Suarez. How about Tatiana Suarez?
1: Yeah, she, she's a good... Uh, are they in the same division? Nah, she's Tatiana
2: Suarez, 115.
0: Oh, okay, okay. You're right. Someone See? bring up that weight division, uh, top 15, because I got you guys on the phone. So, I can't go through yeah. it right now. Somebody pull I up know, uh, the, the top I'll 15. bring it real
1: quick. Personally, uh, just from a, a quick kind of idea, I would personally like to see, because uh, I, I think to really solidify Shevchenko as a champ in, in that division, I would like uh, a huge name to fight fighter, right? And to really solidify her as a champ. Now, that can go one of two ways. Now, as some people this might be very unpopular, but let's see how this goes. One, either Jessica and George defends the title again at uh, one fifteen at Strawway, and then wants to move up. I don't know whether you want to do that whole double champ thing again with the women's with the women's belt. I don't know. We'll see. Or Joanna Janczech, who, by the way, if you're not checked out her Instagram, she's uh, for research purposes. I would recommend go checking. Look, she's put on a bit of meat recently, and uh, she's had some surgery done. But. If she comes back and fights, maybe uh, beat some. It was <laughs> like that one. Uh, if she, if she um, comes back and she beats someone in the flyweight division, maybe that can solidify her again for Shevchenko versus Joanna too. And Joanna's a big name in the UFC and in uh, casual MMA fans. So that again would just solidify her even more if she was able to pick up two wins over Joanna Janjacek. So. I think maybe Iva Joanna comes back and wins a fight against one of the top three contenders in that division, or Andrade wins a couple more fights down at Strawweight and then moves up, as I think that then would solidify Shoshenko as one of the best women's fighters in the UFC of all time, etc., and uh, remake really her belt more notable, because, I don't know about you guys, but how many of you guys going into this fight knew of, or was aware of who Jessica I was and everything about her?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I do. I've been following Jessica since before she was in the UFC. She definitely has a big name. I mean, before her last couple of fights, she was on a losing streak. And I feel like a lot of people lost interest in what was going on. But back in the day when women came into the UFC, Jessica Evil Eye was one of the top girls that people were rooting for and uh, really stood out to a lot of people, which is why she got this title shot. She's been in the UFC for so long. She went through some hard times. She lost her father. Then she gets a couple wins together. Even when she called it out before this fight, I didn't think they were going to give it to her. But the fact that she deserves it at this point with what she went through, uh, the little win streak that she went on, she did deserve it in a way. I just, I just did not see her getting the win here. And for people out there, I mean, who else can Valentina really fight right now in that division? You bring up Jessica Andrade, man. I just don't like hearing her name because I'm still uh, mourning the death of Rose Namahunas. A couple weeks ago getting slammed on her neck i mean jessica andrage is a beast i would love to see a fight with valentina if she wants to do that uh you know change weight divisions because you know jessica andrage she moved down a weight class that's why she's found so much success moving down in the weight class was the best move of her entire career clearly now that she holds the ufc title so would she be willing to change weights to uh do a kind of i don't want to say it's a super fight but fight valentina that would be interesting to see yeah.
1: or even if maybe. I think Rose is a bit too small to go to flyweight because she, she doesn't cut a lot of weight anyway. So I don't know whether or not she'd want to go up her weight class. But um, I'd like to see maybe if Rose go up as well, or just someone to kind of solidify and um, you know, con- concise. Uh, no, what console uh, Shoshenko's reign as champion? Just a big name that she can kind of explain that I've beaten these and this person. I know she beat Joanna for the title, but at the same time. No, she didn't beat her for the Oh, uh, she beat she? Nico
0: Montano. But then she did She did fight Joanna, though. And she did win. She defended it, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But that's what I mean. I'd like to see Joanna maybe come back, fight, fight a couple of people, then go for the title again, to kind of build that up again as, you know, Shevchenko versus Jun Shechek 2. Uh, that well, would maybe smart, Andrade yeah. come in and uh, maybe after a couple of more fights down at Strawweight, maybe pick up a couple of fights, a couple of wins there, then maybe move up. I don't know. Um... But yeah, like like you guys said, you can't really think of anyone anyone right now to really go for that belt down at flyweight. Um, yeah, and I think
2: it's, it would be tough to sell the Yoana fight too because I believe uh, Valentina's beaten her a few times.
0: And more yeah, but yeah, before fought. she was in the UFC, Yoana uh, versus Yo- Ioana versus Valentina. They fought when they were a lot younger, and Valentina uh, beat her twice. So this was the third time, yeah. but the first time in mixed martial arts. But uh, mm. that, that was. You no, it's just sad to see where Yoana is right now when she was the most feared girl in the UFC alongside Ronda Rousey for so long.
1: Yeah. How the, uh, how the mighty have fallen. I yeah. mean, I, I can't see Rousey coming back anytime soon anyway, so that shit ain't happening. And yeah. uh, I don't know what's going on with Ioana anyway. Ioana anyway, she just seems to be on fucking holiday all the time.
0: <laughs> all right, let's switch so. up gears here really quick. Tied to Avassa coming off a loss to JDS just a couple of months ago, man. And you know what? Me and Ty got a little beef. I'm sure a lot of people that follow Pure Evil MMA heard what happened and whatnot. And I don't want to say I was rooting against him. But, you know, if, listen, you could be in the top of the world like uh, Simon just saying. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. We've seen this happen to so many people that come into the UFC. They build up a name for themselves. Look at Thomas Almeida being one of them. Francis Ngannou being another one. I mean, uh, Ty didn't make it as far as Francis did. But it comes to a point where if you lose a fight... There's a lot of pressure on you now. If if you were one of the top prospects uh, on, on a run to get to the title, and you get a loss, you get a second loss, you're losing all your steam. It's you need now. You need to get two wins in a row. You gotta you know finish your fight, especially a heavyweight man. It's not easy to do. He was undefeated coming into the UFC. Now he's on a two fight losing streak. Uh, Blagoy Ivanov. I've watched him fight back in. Uh, 2015 at World Series of Fighting side against Josh Copeland, man. And he has an amazing story. He's got scars on him from being stabbed in the heart, and he's been able to come back. He was World Series of Fighting champion, came into the UFC recently, and I believe he lost his debut against Big Ben Rothwell. Somebody can go check that uh, before the listeners throw shade on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, came into the UFC. I know that he lost his, his debut this was a huge win for Ivanov here, tied to Iwasa, now deeper in the hole. And we see guys, you got a three-fight losing streak, you get the pink slip. However, if Ty does lose his next fight, I don't see the UFC getting rid of him because he is a personality, and it, he's so athletic for his size. But uh, I won't say, it, it, it's fucked up to say, but I had a smirk on my face when he lost. And let me just quickly say this, uh, you know, where he was at and how cocky he is, You know, he goes on his Instagram lives. He talks shit to some of his biggest supporters out there. I was on his Instagram live. I asked him a professional question and he starts making fun of the lip ring. He starts saying this and that and then cuts me off. That is so rude to do to not just a media member, but if you're doing that to people who are fans of you as well, think of a 16 year old kid. I've seen him do this to so many people and it's just such a bad look. So in a way, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say happy you got a humble pie, but I, I wonder how that humble pie tastes, is what I should say.
1: In other words, calm as a bitch.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Check yourself. Check yourself.
1: I mean, fair enough. I mean, he, I mean the guy, uh, he lost to Gino you know, Santos, and he just left, lost to him. And I mean, J- JDS is not a person to feel sad for if, you're, if you lose against him because that guy's a fucking world champion caliber hmm. fighter. And I, he, he was a world champ for a while, wasn't he? He was a Yes, champ. oh
0: yes. Yes, he came yeah, so that's,
1: not, that's not a bad thing to be if you lose against him. And um, at the end of the day, I, I was just super impressed with Ivanov in this fight. Like he's, And he's got, a, if you look at his record, for anyone out there who doesn't know, I highly recommend looking up his record. He's 18-2. and two
0: he's, in beat, he's beat James McSweeney, someone that uh, does a show for us right here on Pure Evil LA with me, for a Gloves Off. That was his last fight before getting signed to the UFC. And I believe, I don't know, allegedly, uh, Dana White met up with James and asked James, like, do you think Taito Avasa is ready for the UFC? And clearly, he, he must have got the nod if that is what happened. I'm not sure if that's what happened, but uh, uh, allegedly. Allegedly. Mm,
1: allegedly. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, um, sucks to be him. I mean, he's a he's a marketable guy. Um yeah. Uh, especially in that New Zealand market and Australian New Zealand kind of market that that would be a really, uh, that would have been a big thing for him uh, especially you got stars like Robert Whittaker, uh, Israel Adesanya oh, yeah. um, from those neck of the woods as well uh, Tyson Pedro
0: Tyson
1: there you Pedro. go yep. um, I know you lost Mark Hunt in the heavyweight division as well for that market so this guy would have been really big for them but unfortunately if you don't win your fights they can't really market you that well. The same thing's happened with Darren Till. You know, exactly. if, if, you, if you win fights, you can't sell out Wembley, you can't sell out fucking, um, Anfield in, in Liverpool. You can't be putting these guys in the main card, even though they're marketable, but, at the end of the day, even if, you, even if you talk shit, you're not there to talk shit, you're there to win fucking fights. And if you can't do that, well then, sorry, but some other guy's gonna come along and take your spot. It's fucking, uh, survival of the fittest out here, boys. And if you ain't winning fights, you ain't getting marketed, you ain't getting that money.
0: So, yeah. moving forward guys what are some other fights that stood out to you at UFC 238 uh, Mike what was your number one pick of fights that uh, we did not talk about yet
2: uh, I want to say Eddie Weyman because he had a cool knockout but I gotta say i sterling uh, I really expected him to uh, try to score the takedown against Pedro Munoz to put a lot of time pressure on him he didn't do that he came out and showed a different type of striking ability that we've seen in his previous fights, and uh, he really impressed me. I think you should get the next title shot at Cejudo. Cejudo wants to defend the 135, because um, he looked very impressive to me.
0: Simon, thoughts on that?
1: Um, yeah, fair enough. Um, I, the fight that I personally really liked was um, an, inter- I did an interview with Ricardo Lama a couple of weeks ago before he was up, before he fought. And so I, I was rooting for him, and I was really expecting a big show because um, he, he talked. He seemed really confident during the interview um, against uh, Calvin Katar, Was it? Because yeah, Calvin Katar. What was he
0: saying during well, the interview that stood out to you before the fight?
1: Um, I, I, one of the big things I like to do when I ask when I interview people is I like to ask them, you know, how do you how do you want to be remembered when you eventually retire, and what's your like kind of end goal? And obviously his end goal was to win the title, but then. He was telling me about how he wants, he wants to go down as like one of the best in the featherweight division because got he had like he's got a record in the featherweight division, whether it's the most um, the longest win streak or one of the most wins or one of the most fights. I can't remember off, off the top of my head. If you guys want to go check that out? It's on my Instagram, um, so you can be more specific in that, that day. But he's basically a well-established name in the featherweight division. So I was thinking to myself, okay, this guy is. This guy's uh, well known and he's well established, and this could be the building blocks for him to start going on a run again and start getting up towards that title. You know, he's got the track record for it, and he's got the stats to pad to back up his shit, so hopefully to see that. But I was well impressed with uh, Calvin Katar and the stoppage that he got. God, I mean, do you, did you guys see this fight? Like, Jesus Christ, the jab and then the fake and then over the hook. Absolutely amazing, knockout, sensational. Um, I can't remember, did he get a performance in like, night bonus?
0: I'm not I'm sure not. who got performance of the night bonus. Do you, do you know, Mike?
2: Yeah, it was uh, Cejudo and Shevchenko got the performance bonuses, and then Tony Cerrone got the fight of the night bonus.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: see, up to that point, I had uh, Kassar getting the performance of the night bonuses, so which was a fucking shame. But at the end of the day, that fight why was so good that Lamas had to be transported to hospital after that fight because of the damage the cat did in that fight so it was a shame for me because you know you interview a guy and any loses because you've got you got you got to back him right Eddie you know this if it's one you interview you kind of got to back you him get a little
0: fight. biased yeah of course yeah yeah, yeah. so
1: and he's the first guy that I ever interviewed as well so obviously I'm going to be a little biased to him so I'm, I'm a little bit biased to Curtis Blades now so you know shit like that happens and uh <laughs> Yeah,
0: hey, hey what did really Curtis fun. say to you? I saw you. You posted. You posted something about the interview. I, I've interviewed Curtis before, about four years ago now. Great guy, really great guy. Uh, what, what did he say to you in that interview that stood out to you? Um,
1: well, I put I put the video up on my YouTube channel and on my Instagram, and it was uh, one of the big things that I liked about him was he, I asked him about the whole Brock Lesnar situation. Yeah, yeah. And you know, he talked like a fan. You know, he was like, "Don't, don't be coming over here and um, holding up the fucking division." Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself fair enough man like you know he's coming in he's trying to Like he, he gets it that they're trying to do a money fight between Daniel Cormier and Brock Lesnar but at the end of the day don't be holding all that division I asked him about the Ngannou losses as well and um he was like, you know, he, he thought that if he didn't, he didn't get caught with those, that, that shot early on, that his game plan would have worked and that he will go into the next fight if they eventually meet down the line again with the same kind of game plan. But obviously, he had to switch it up slightly just because of the losses. Um, and how he wants to be remembered as a wrestler and one of the, mo- and one of the most dominant wrestlers in the UFC. And uh, yeah, man, I I was even saying to him that I can see you and Garnu fighting for a title in the next couple of years that you two are the top of the, of the division. You two seem to be the future of the division once, uh, you know, Cormier retires in the next couple of years um, and, like, the old guard kind of gets filtered out and I could see them guys at the top of the guard so I can definitely see that fight happening again. So, it was, it was just really interesting to speak to him about all that and then, obviously, I asked him about his upcoming fight at UFC 242 but This But before it got confirmed and uh, he couldn't speak on that but he kind of knew that it was going to happen but just by the way he was talking. Yeah. So, he gave like a vague answer, he was like, I can't really speak on contract negotiations But it was like, okay, we can kind of tell that something's occurring and uh, yeah So yeah, really good interview, uh, if you guys want to go check that out, it's uh, on my Instagram and on my YouTube as well So that was a really, that was a really fun interview by the way
0: So, yeah. so the bonus of the night went to Valentina, Henry Cejudo, and who, who was the third one?
2: The fight of the night was Cowboy Ferguson
0: let me mention this. Uh, Jojo Calderwood, unfortunately not getting the win. Loses via unanimous decision against Caitlin Chukagin. Very tough fight, started the card out. Uh, Eddie Wineland gets the finish. We had a, a decent amount of uh, finishes as well, Calvin Couture. Uh, Carolina Kavik gets the L to Alexa Grasso. What did you guys think about that? Poor Carolina. I mean, she was another one coming into the UFC. Big name, beating girls. Now she's fallen to 12 and five. Alexa Grasso, man, she's killing it, man. I'm, I'm, like, falling in love with Alexa Grasso. Carolina Kovalkavik, man, she needs to get back on the horse.
2: Yeah, three straight losses, man. She's, uh, she's got to turn it around. Alexa Grasso is, uh, on the way up. Uh, seeing that coming into it, she had lost to Tatiana Suarez, but she had a couple of good wins in the UFC, to Marcos, uh, Heather Joe Clark. Um, she was an Evicta before that. She did pretty well. She was, like, Her first loss was uh, Felice Hoareg in 2017. She started uh, Pro MMA in 2012, so So she went five years without losing, then lost to Hoareg and lost to Swartz, uh, Tatiana Suarez, and I was it. So I was high on Grasso coming into the fight.
0: Last thing I want to mention here, guys, before we end the show with a rating. uh, Tatiana Suarez, who thinks that if she gets past the next opponent, there is no way she doesn't get a title shot?
2: Uh, yeah, I think it should probably come next, honestly.
0: So, can, can know, say, did anybody look at the uh, weight division there? Who, who's in yeah. the weight division?
2: Hers is the... Uh, she's in the uh, Jessica Andrade's uh, Rose Namajunas division. Do you All know way, who's yeah. in
0: the top five of that division? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, she's but second. Rose, Rose
1: Namajunas, Suarez, Ansaroff, Juncheche, Ooh. and Gadilha, 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 Gadilha Claudia, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Ooh, what about Goodella. Tatiana versus Rose Namahunas? That would be interesting. That would be interesting. It depends
1: on what's going on with Rose, because her mental state at the moment, I don't know what's going on with her, because I Dangerous remember in state. the uh, post-fight interview of uh, her fight at UFC 237, she was talking about how she was so happy that she lost the belt because of the pressure on her shoulders. Yeah. So I thought maybe her mental state isn't where we think it is. Uh, that She's feeling the pressure of being in the limelight and being in the pressure. Of, you know, so it's so. kind of... Um, this nickname of Thug Rose is kind of getting to her. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of eyes on her. She's very marketable. And, you know, the pressure of the media and stuff like that might be getting to her a little bit. So she might be taking some time away from the sport at the moment. So we might not see that for a while. And she might just want to kind of relax, do some gardening and all that shit for a bit. And then um, hopefully see her back at the end of the year. Because I really like Rose Nama Unis. I really want her to be a big star and be a champion. But shit happens, man. I mean, she made one mistake in that Andrade fight, like, holding on to the Kimura, and she just gets dropped on her head, and now Andrade is the champ, and I mean, watching that fight, Rose was had the upper hand for a while, and it was just in, the, in those takedowns, she didn't let go, and she overcommitted some, and then she paid the price for it. So, I'd like to see her again fight for the title, maybe after one more fight, but whether or not she wants that that is two different things, though. So, I just wish her all the best, man. She's
0: Did you guys see the post fight presser? Say again? Did you guys watch the post fight presser?
1: Hell yeah, I did the fucking uh, uh, live updates on the website. Yeah,
0: I've seen it. Did you you hear Dana say anything about Tatiana's next move? Was there anything brought up about that?
1: Uh, Let me uh, pull that up for you right now. Because Uh, I'm seeing on Instagram
0: right now, there's a lot of people that want to see her get the title shot next against uh, Jessica Andrade. I would love, I would die to see that. Is Tatiana ready for that? I'd say, I'd say yeah, but I would also like to see her fight one more person before that. But then again, I said the same thing about Jessica Andrade for a while and look at, look at her do the damn thing. So, um, shit. Just, just
1: to check you up on that, um, in the post fight press conference, there was just mostly a lot of talks about Tony and uh, Sahuto because Sahuto was talking a lot of shit and everyone was just talking about you know whether Sahuto was correct in that. Like, he was saying he's one of the best, he's the greatest of all time, and all this shit. And uh, Dana essentially <laughs> said, "You've got John Jones out there. Kabiba's never lost. Look at guys; they have they've run through." So he's essentially saying that okay, you beat Demetrius Johnson, you beat TJ shore, but don't take don't take the greatest all time when you've got people like George St. Pierre in the mix, you've got people like Khabib, John Jones, and they've beaten and their track record is probably even more reputable than Tudor's, so you can't really say that right now a lot of people are concerned about um, Cowboy, Dana also confirms that apparently the Flyweight division is still sticking around wow. um, despite more rumours that it is going to be cut and uh, there was a whole back and forth thing as well with Dana, Dana White and Cyborg, where Dana White criticize cyborg for saying that cyborg doesn't want to fight Nunes despite Nunes wanting to fight cyborg at 145 and then apparently live during the press conference cyborg tweets dana white saying that that's not the that's not the reality of it and that she does want to fight that and so dana white says if she wants to fight Nunes again at 145 the fight's there for her so that could be a potential match- make- matchmaking there that we might be seeing uh, cyborg Nunes too uh being
0: uh, in the next couple of months so that would be I would love definitely. That. I would love to see that fight go back
1: fuck yeah man shit but really quick,
0: fight. last note on this you guys know what we like to do before we end the show 1 out of 10 basis with 1 being the worst 10 being the best what did you think it was going to be on paper and then what did it, did it live up to expectations for me I I thought this was a 9 out of 10 all the fights on here even if you were a casual fan, you at least knew 90% of the people that were on this card, if not 75%. For diehards, of course, we know every single fighter on this card. But I was a little worried because we've seen cards like this with all the big names on it, all the up-and-comers, all the legends, and it doesn't live up to hype. This card lived up to everything I wanted to be. Uh, but the one thing I did not like about this card is that some of the fights I wish could have been switched up to the main card. Like I wish JoJo Calderwood was was a little bit higher up. But with that being said, man, that is nothing to complain about. This had to be a perfect card. I give it a nine out of ten uh, for a pay per view. Definitely worth the seventy dollars. One hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. I'd have gone
1: probably like an eight point five kind of thing because one, Tuvassar and Ivanov, you know, the main the main. Opening fight is usually a big slobber knockout. You know, they all the UFC is quite known that they like to kick off a card and they like to have a big fight to kick off the card to get the fans hyped up. That fight, eh, not so much. It didn't really live up to any kind of huge expectations for that. And the guy's gas tanks really, really took a hit, and so the third round was a little bit sloppy. So it didn't really kick off to a great start. What well, then? You had uh, the Yan fight. Then you had the Ferguson fight, which. It, the ending was like a little bit a bit sweet but upon reflection that's a good thing but at the time everyone was kind of taken away just by the finish rather than the the fight on uh, the whole Shishanga fight was awesome Suhura fight was awesome so I'd have gone for like an 8.5 that there was just those tiny little bits in there that kind of just left a bit of a bittersweet taste in the mouth at the end of the car and then the uh the end of the fights but you know, all around I'd recommend people go out their way to watch these fights and uh definitely worth seventy quid.
0: My uh,
2: uh, I'd have to say uh on paper I had this being like a, a low nines, mid nines. I thought it was gonna be one of the best cards of the year. Uh had yeah, some good decisions but there was a there was definitely a lot. I think it was you know the Aljo, that was a good fight. Tatiana Suarez was a good fight but then yeah, had fights like the Darren Stewart fight that was kind of like a snooze fest. Then you had the Angela Hill fight that didn't go uh, to be as exciting as it was supposed to oh, be. Poor Angela,
0: yeah. man. Poor Angela.
2: Yeah. Even Austin, and two of us are both gassed out. Um, there was just a lot of things that I thought were going to be great, like, like Tony Ferguson versus Cowboy type of fight that didn't yeah, really happen. Yeah. So I'd have to go a little bit lower, maybe a... 8.1, 8.2, somewhere in there.
0: You know, you, you brought up some really good points. I think that you nailed it right there with a, a quick breakdown in a nutshell. When it came to any anything that was wrong with the card, you definitely nailed it right there. Uh, last yeah. thing here, guys, $440,000 went to Henry Cejudo, almost half a million dollars. Nice seeing these guys get paid. Boland Daltina, uh $300,000. Tony Ferguson... Uh, 235,000 Cowboy, 245,000. It's nice to see him get paid. I would still like to see him get a little bit more. You don't see that in boxing. Still, it's a a newer sport. And as as years go on, I would like to see Reebok get out of there. At least give these guys two sponsors to put on their shorts. Let them make an extra $100,000. I mean, come on. It's it's just ridiculous. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to get Reebok out of there. Or at least make a deal where they can get one or two sponsors. So with that being said, I want to thank everybody for tuning in uh simon you want to give everybody your social media and also a mic right after him
1: you got it yeah sure uh so facebook twitter instagram uh facebook and twitter is uh us cool news underscore official i finally got a twitter Thanks oh you do me to finally get a twitter. people kept telling me but i kept getting DMs saying what's your twitter so i was like oh fuck's sake man i better mm, make a twitter told so you ufc Underscore news underscore official on Twitter. Uh, I'm on there and I usually just talk shit and uh, have a bit of fun on there. So it's not as serious as my Instagram, but uh, it is pretty good anyway. And uh, my Instagram is UFC underscore news underscore official. On YouTube, it's MMA Online. I've got interviews coming out this week with uh,
0: Trizano and uh, Oh the Seth Lone Wolf. Yeah, and I've also got an interview with
1: Don Mage uh, the South African uh, UFC fighter who's apparently going to be the next big thing and that's a very very interesting interview and uh, I've also got an interview with a kids coach who's a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu coming out as well where we talk about UFC uh, MMA being an Olympic sport the importance of mixed martial arts for children and uh, how mixed martial arts can be beneficial to everyone's uh, overall health and uh, yeah just more, more shit coming out soon and uh,
0: I've got Discord and everything like that. And purely evil com, by the way. Around of course, it, so. always MMA news and updates. Uh, Mike Lynch, where can people find you?
2: And that's my name on Facebook. i got a, a personal Facebook. But the Twitter is uh, the BBQ Pit underscore live. The uh, Instagram is the BBQ Pit underscore MMA. And then the YouTube is uh, the barbecue pit dot live. Uh, on, on YouTube, what we do is really uh, prediction shows and live companions pretty much
0: there. And guys, guys, we got some really week. exciting cards coming up as well. Uh, UFC 239, another stacked pay-per-view card. I cannot wait for that. There are so many big fights that are going to be on there. Uh, so look forward to what we got going here at Pure Evil MMA. You take out all the latest MMA news, interviews, updates, pureevilmma.com. I'm Evil Eddy, owner of pureevilmma.com. Remember, white knuckles to the end and without evil. There's no purity, behave yourselves.